Hello, and welcome to the Fit Cookie Nutrition Podcast. My name is Holly Samuel, and I am a registered dietitian and certified personal trainer. And my goal with this podcast is to empower you with nutrition and exercise knowledge from various health and wellness experts and everyday runners to become the best, strongest, fastest, fit cookie version of yourself that you can be. Are you ready? Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the show today. On today's episode, we have Sarah Canny, who you may have known from a while back. She used to be the blogger behind her blog, Run Far Girl, and now has rebranded to Sarah Canny. At least I know her from her Run Far Girl days. And Sarah is a lot of things. She is a runner. She is like a champion snowshoer. Uh, so cool. She is also a self-described runpreneur. So she is an entrepreneur for running type things such as her rise and run retreat. And she is also a running coach and just such a cool human. It was great to talk with her today about all kinds of different things that go on in her life, like her athletic background in running, how her relationship with her body and with food and with running has all kind of changed and improved over the years and grown. And also her recent decision to leave social media despite being an online entrepreneur, which prompted me to reach out to her because I thought that was just such a big decision and a very cool thing to do. And I think a lot of us are probably a little envious of having the guts to do that. So I definitely wanted to dive into that with her as well. Now, before we get into the episode, if you've been enjoying this podcast so far, if you could do me a huge favor, and if you haven't already, hit pause and go over and leave a rating and review on whatever podcast hosting site you are using. It just helps other people just like you find cool conversations like this on the show and allows me to keep doing the show, which I definitely would like to continue doing. It's been a ton of fun so far to start this past year. Now let's dive into today's episode with Sarah Canny. Hi, Sarah, and welcome to the Fit Cooking Nutrition Podcast. How are you? Good. Thank you so much for having me. I, I'm really excited to chat today. Me too. Well, I want to ask you a lot of questions and we're going to talk about a lot of topics today, but what prompted me reaching out to you is that for those listening, if you have not heard of Sarah before, she recently announced that she is going to leave social media, um, but continue to run her online business and in-person business as well. So that is what prompted me reaching out to her because she is a lot of things and I find her very interesting and I think you will too. So can you kind of tell everybody um, like what you do, who you are and where you're from and where you live? Yeah, for sure. So um, I am probably a runner first. That's like the, the thing that came first. And then from that, um, I started hosting women's running retreats. I created Rise Run Retreat back in 2015. So I've been doing that for a while, hosting 
um, both in-person events, um, as well as last year, we introduced a virtual retreat option, which um, was hugely popular and um, really helped people stay connected um, through last year. So that was um, really, really neat to see. And then sort of out of that, um, that precipitated a membership community. So we have the Rise Run Collective as well. Um, and then I do some one-on-one um, -on -one run coaching. Um, and then now that I've sort of been in business, in this sort of running business for, um, for a while now, I've, I've been doing some run, um, some run business coaching um, and, and helping other um, entrepreneurs launch their running related businesses. So I kind of wear a lot of different hats, um, but all of them connect back to running. Um, and I live in New Hampshire with my husband and my three kids. We live in a small little rural town and um, born and raised here, spent some time outside of New Hampshire, but um, came back and I, I really can't imagine living anywhere else. Really love it here. I can relate to that. <laughs> uh, yeah, Charlotte was cool. We loved it. We had a great experience, but the, the New Hampshire state is a very cool place for sure. Yeah. Definitely. You have like the mountains and you also have the seacoast and you kind yep. of have everything in between and it's not too populated, but there's still people here, which is cool. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think we love sort of, I love the diversity of the terrain and that you can, you know, be at the ocean in 30 minutes, or you could be up in the mountains in an hour, or you could head to the lake. And um, if you are an outdoorsy person and in all seasons, this is a great place to be. Obviously, the winters can be a little bit cold and a little bit long, but as long as you can find something to do during those months, then um, it can be, be such a great place. Yeah. And I want to dive into that a little bit because you really found something to do in the winter. And I also think that's super cool. And like you said, you wear many hats. So you, you did not mention that you are like an elite snowshoer. Um, so tell us about like yeah. how you got into that, because I think that is so unique and so cool. Yeah. Well, I mean, it, it really started with me just, um, complaining about winter on Facebook a lot. <laughs> um, and I mean, my husband and I even moved, we decided to move to Arizona in the middle of February in New Hampshire, like, which is a pretty good time to move to Arizona. <laughs> um, that's when we moved to North Carolina last year. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, um, you know, so I, I never really was into winter sports growing, even though I grew up here, um, and my siblings all ski, my parents ski, um, and when we moved back from Arizona, I realized I, I just needed to find something to, to get me out there, um, in the winter. And cause I was doing a lot of complaining about how long the winter was, how narrow the shoulders were, how there was no place to run. Um, and I really kind of stumbled upon snowshoe running just sort of very accidentally, um, showed up for my very first race, which was a, a, a night race. So you needed a headlamp. Um, and we raced through the woods. I had rented a pair of running snowshoes. They weren't even my own. Um, and had this experience that I just absolutely thought was thrilling and I fell in love with it. And, um, after that, I, I really started to get more involved in the sport and, um, just sort of improved over time. And, um, have had the chance to be on the national um, snowshoe team several years and represent the U.S. at um, a couple uh, world snowshoe championships. Um, more, most recently, um, I won a bronze medal um, at the 2020 World 
um, world championships. So yeah, it's, it's kind of opened up some, some doors and some opportunities for me. And I think one of the reasons why I've been able to succeed with snowshoe running um, is that um, for, as I got more competitive with the road running, I was just sort of becoming a slave to the watch and the pace, and it was just losing its joy. Um, and I was getting so caught up, I think, in my head about um, the paces and, and how things were, were playing out that it really sort of um, limited my performance. Um, and when I got to snowshoe running, really, you have to kind of throw any kind of pacing experience out the window because the snow conditions are always different. Um, even if you run the same race on the same course year to year, the snow is going to be different. The conditions are going to be different. Your times are going to be different. And so to me, for, for me, it really took that piece, that measuring stick sort of out of the picture um, and allowed me to just like run really freely without a lot of chatter going on in my head. Um, and I think that that's why I've been able to be successful at it is because it's like the chatter gets turned off and I just get like kind of tuned in with my body and I'm able to kind of run at that edge of, of, you know, my ability a, a lot better than on the road or even on the trail sometime. Yeah. I imagine when you start that, like, first of all, you started at like at night with a headlamp on with snowshoes that you rented. So I imagine you kind of, you couldn't really compare it to anything because exactly. there wasn't, there's nothing to compare that to. And I think it's so cool. And I mean, you've done so well, you have a bronze medal for, for the world, which is, which is insane. Like, can you imagine yourself, like when you were living in Arizona, kind of saying you're like a world champion, like snowshoer? No, I cannot. <laughs> I cannot. Yeah. I relate to that too. I, I've always, we've always had family members who have skied and um, I like the idea of it. I think I'd be good at it. I'm kind of like, I really like my knees and I'm kind of mm -hmm. terrified to like do anything bad to them. So I like the cross country and the snowshoeing mm -hmm. game much better. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, um, I had the chance to try downhill skiing for the first time since I was 10, um, this past year. Um, and it was very humbling to, um, watch my kids just like fly past me down the mountain. Um, they were giving me pointers, which was really fun. Um, but yeah, the knees, the shins, the, like there's so much that can go wrong when you're downhill skiing. So it's a little scary. Yeah, I totally agree. I know that was my experience. Just like being so scared, going slowly down the mountain, kids just like whipping by me. And I was like, wow, that is just next level. I am not there go kids. <laughs> well, and with the snowshoeing too, um, since obviously you've, you've done really well with it and it's definitely been a component of your fitness. Like how has that kind of transformed into other seasons, like on the roads or on the trails? Or I know you also use the elliptigo quite often. Yeah. You know, I honestly think that the snowshoe experience, um, just even beyond running has, um, really built my confidence in myself and sort of my ability to believe that I belong in, in places that I kind of dream of being, whether that's, um, you know, in running or if that's in my business um, or really sort of any area or aspect of life. Um, I think too, that it's, it's made me a lot more open to trying new things um, and um, just kind of trusting that you can you know, being a beginner at something is actually a huge opportunity for growth. And, um, 
and that those initial stages of being a beginner will will the lessons that you learn will be applicable to so many different things and um yeah so i think it's it's opened me up to to trying new things like the elliptigo um and um i think it's it's translated to more confidence um on the road and the trail as well yeah if you can do it with like big shoes on the snow then like doing it in the summer should be a piece of cake right yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, where are you at now with your running? Like kind of how does that affect your, your day-to-day life? Since I know you do so much of it with your business, but also, you know, you have your own personal training, um, you know, goals as well. So where kind of are you at with that? Yeah. I mean, right now with my running, I'm ramping up for the Mount Washington road race, which is, um, next weekend. Um, (laughs) and yeah, it's coming right up. Um, so, um, yeah, I've been billing for this race for, um, since January, it's kind of been the focus. It'll be my first race of this year. Um, I got an email yesterday, um, telling me that I'm in the, um, elite start wave, which is a little scary for me. Talk about like trying to believe you belong. Like there was definitely some imposter syndrome when I got that email, um, but um, yeah, I mean, my training actually, now that I have the elliptigo, um, that's been a huge component for me um, in terms of adding volume. So I've been probably putting in um, like 10 to 12 hours a week of training, which is the most I've, I've really ever done. Um, there was one marathon build that I did in 2014 that I was, I was probably putting in about that much work, I would think, but it was all running and there was no strength training or anything. And, and, um, did set myself up for a little injury after that marathon. So, um, but now my, I feel like my training is, um, really well-rounded just in terms of there's running, there's the elliptigo, there's some heavy lifting and strength training. Um, I do a lot of prehab work. So, um, overall, I think I'm the, the most, um, fit and strong I've ever been, which is kind of cool as you're getting older. (laughs) Um, and I think the reason for that is I, I never ran in high school or college, so I don't have any, you know, past like super fast times to compare to. Um, so all of my, you know, all of my running sort of, you know, quote unquote success has come in my, my thirties. So, um, so, but it, it is, it's neat to continue to see that improvement. Oh, cool. Well, the, the Mount Washington road race definitely deserves to have you in their elite field. Yeah. Exciting. You probably know that like mountain Ridge pretty, pretty well by now. Um, that'll be really cool. And yeah, I mean, just back to like trying new things too. I was similar. Like I, I never ran in high school or college. So when you kind of get to try running, like it blossoms kind of later in life, which is cool to have mm-hmm. those experiences. And the well-roundedness I also appreciate. I'm a huge proponent for like strength training. So that's good to see that that's serving you well. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. It's been a, a, a good, um, a good addition and, you know, something that I enjoy too. So. Yeah, absolutely. And, and it's going to get you really far too, I'm sure. So um, that'll be fun to see. And in terms of like, you talked a lot about um, a little bit, at least about your kind of past with more like road racing um, and how you felt like it got a bit like math focused, numbersy, um, measured, and that the trails and the snowshoeing and the elliptigo kind of helped take that out of it a little bit for you and make it more subjective. Um, 
like, can you talk a little bit more about how your relationship maybe with running has changed and like just fitness in general has changed since like your kind of road marathon days? Yeah. I mean, I think so, you know, I came to running sort of in my early twenties. So like mid college was, um, was kind of when I, I started to run. And that was at the point where I was um, in recovery for an eating disorder. Um, and so I think in some ways, you know, obviously the relationship with running can be really complicated when you're struggling with an eating disorder. Um, and what was interesting, I think, is that initially at the sort of the beginning of my eating disorder, all of the exercising I was doing was at the gym because I could see like the readout of the machines were telling me how many calories I was burning. Um, and when I sort of stopped going to the gym or was prohibited from going to the gym, um, you know, that kind of gave me a break. And then when I was able to start exercising again, um, that's kind of when I picked up running. Um, and there was something that was really freeing about it for me um, because it, it was not as measured at that point in terms of it just, I was just going out for a run. I didn't wear a watch. <laughs> um, like I just didn't like, G what was a GPS watch? I didn't know what that was. Um, and, um, you know, I think for me, running was kind of the place where I learned to speak kindly to myself. Um, that eating disorder voice can be so negative and destructive in terms of just like tearing you down. Um, and with running, that's kind of where I discovered and tapped into this internal narrative that was a little bit more encouraging and positive just in terms of, you know, you know, I bet you, you can make it up that hill or you can, you know, you can do this or, you know, I was brave enough to go explore a trail or something like that, you know, it's just a, a more positive experience. And then when I introduced road running and racing, um, I think in the initial state stages, it was all really like new and exciting and, um, you know, started to kind of do, do well, um, kind of in the local running scene. Um, and I think, you know, what kind of, what really started to happen is that, you know, the, the, I introduced the watch and then, you know, started to kind of, you know, then you set all these PRs and then you want to beat those PRs. And um, so in some ways, I think that, you know, my, in my eating, my years with my eating disorder, it was like the scale, right. And your weight on the scale was like the measure of your worth. And then it was like, I swapped to looking at my watch as the measure of my worth. So it was like, I traded like one device for another <laughs> to tell me if I was good enough. Um, and so I think that sort of complicated, you know, and really what it boils down to, right? These are all like behaviors, right? But what's like the underlying sort of narrative, the internal talk that's like underneath all of that, the anxiety, the insecurity, the, the depression, like all of that stuff. If you don't deal with that, then, it's just gonna keep coming out in different ways, whether you're measuring yourself with a scale, a watch or whatever it might be. Um, and so I think that um, really, you know, I've had to kind of over time and then um, it's also like over time assess my relationship with running, but and, but recognize too that it's always something that I have to kind of revisit and, and um, and 
you know, kind of be curious and critical of just to make sure that it is something that's healthy and positive and that's, um, you know, helping me thrive and, and not really, you know, tearing me down. So. Thank you. Yeah. And thank you for sharing, like kind of how it was connected to your eating disorder as well. Um, I know you've shared about that in the past, um, kind of on your, your previous platforms, which I think is super, it's very like relatable. I think a lot of people probably don't even realize that's the narrative that can be mm-hmm. kind of coming, um, you know, kind of up, up to head once they start to run and it's fun. And then I didn't have GPS watch either. And then I got one, you know, and then you're competing with yourself and it's fun, but then, you know, if it kind of turns to like, not so fun or it's measuring your self-worth or it's not bringing you joy, it can be helpful to have like some self-checks or have like a coach that's doing it kind of, um, in a scheduled way for you. Mm -hmm. Um, and it sounds like your training super, it sounds like it's well-rounded and also kind of polarized so that every kind of, you know, workout has intention behind it rather than just trying to beat your watch. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, just with running too, like, um, as that relationship with it has changed, has like your relationship with food been affected by kind of the progression of your running career as well? Yeah, it definitely has. I mean, you know, I, I struggled with anorexia at first and then bulimia and, and really sort of the birth of, or when I found out that I was pregnant with my daughter was really kind of the turning point. And, you know, through those years that I struggled, I was always in recovery, like actively trying to recover, seeing a therapist, working with a nutritionist on and off, depending on what insurance would cover and not cover, which is a whole other (laughs) podcast. Um, and, uh, you know, and and so it was really sort of when I found out that I was pregnant with, um, with my daughter, um, she's 11 now, um, that things really kind of all became clear for me, clearer for me. So all of the work, the recovery work that I had been doing for the, you know, the previous nine years kind of all started to click and make sense. And, and that was really, her, that pregnancy kind of marked the end of my eating disorder behavior. Um, but that doesn't mean like the, the thoughts and the, the relationship with food, you know, completely ends either. So I think, um, you know, through that pregnancy, really, I was, it was a time where I, um, really had to reshape and rethink the way that I, I thought about food and started to look at it as something that I was, the, the food that I was consuming was either going to nourish the baby inside of me and, and help her grow and, um, or it, it would not. And so I think the, that kind of changed my relationship with myself as well, because it's like, obviously like my body was home to this, this other life. And so it, it really put things in perspective for me. Um, and so I think since then, you know, my, my relationship with food has become, um, just so different than it was when I was struggling with an eating disorder. Um, and I feel like the, the, the relationship, the, the person who I was when I was in an eating disorder would not even like recognize the, the person who I am today. Um, but I think I, I, you know, I've come to a place where, um, you know, I would say I eat intuitively and in terms of just, you know, fueling my body. And, um, I actually, you know, I'm a huge fan of Dr. Sims, who you've had on the podcast and, 
um, just like anything that she puts out on her blog or her, her platforms, like I just absorb that. Um, and, um, you know, and so I think too, uh, I guess it was three years ago now, like 2018, um, I, you know, kind of had always thought of myself as like the mom who runs <laughs> and there was a turning point, like at the beginning of that year where I was like, actually, like, maybe I should think of myself as an athlete. Um, and so that kind of shift changed, uh, had an impact on how I was feeling too, just being like more intentional about the, the volume of food, just making sure that I'm having enough like volume of food to fuel the, the activities of an athlete. Um, and then, um, yeah, just kind of, um, just made me more aware of like, you know, how much protein I need and, and things like that. So I don't track anything like that, you know, I'm done, done with that. Um, but, um, you know, I, I definitely feel like I have a much healthier relationship with food now than, than I did, you know, in my early twenties. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that. And I know, um, that's kind of where I practice is like somewhere in the middle of like intuitive eating. And then also we need to fuel our bodies to do what they're supposed to do. And sometimes like, you know, running up Mount Washington, that's not super intuitive. So how do you feel your body for that? Um, and kind of being somewhere in the middle. So I can definitely appreciate where you're coming from there and love Dr. Sims work. Obviously she's, mm -hmm. she's awesome and comes out with so many great research that we didn't have before. <laughs> yeah, totally. Hey, everybody, I just wanted to take a minute to thank our sponsor for today's podcast episode, which is Inside Tracker. When you do what you love, like running, racing, enjoying the great outdoors, you want to do it for life. Inside Tracker can help. Inside Tracker was founded in 2009 by leading scientists in aging, genetics, and biometrics. Using their patented algorithm, Inside Tracker analyzes your body's data to provide you with a clear picture of what's going on inside you and to offer you science-backed recommendations for positive diet and lifestyle changes. Then, Inside Tracker tracks your progress every day, every step of the way towards reaching your performance goals as an athlete of any level so that you can live a longer, healthier life. For a limited time, Fit Cookie Nutrition podcast subscribers can get 25% off of their entire Inside Tracker order. Just go to insidetracker.com slash fitcookie to take advantage of this offer, or you can visit the link in the show notes. Now let's get back to our guest on today's episode. So describing yourself as like a runpreneur, I've heard you say. So can you talk about like how the personal kind of interest in running started to overlap with like your business endeavors as well? Yeah. So, um, I think, you know, I started blogging right after, like right around the time my daughter was born, um, very early 2010, um, was when I started blogging, um, kind of did it on and off, um, for a few years. And then, um, I started staying home when I was pregnant with our second, um, which was in 2012. And that's when, um, you know, I thought, oh, I think I'll, I'll take this blogging thing a little bit more seriously. I had done some freelance writing. Um, I had been a high school English teacher. And then in the summers, I, I did a lot of like freelance writing for local publications and, and things like that. Um, and so the blog really kind of like took that, that place and became kind of a creative outlet for my writing. Um, 
And um, so in 2012, I, I, you know, I figured I think I, I might put a little bit more effort into this. Um, and that, you know, having the blog and then sort of being on social media, Instagram, Twitter, that kind of opened the door for a lot of different opportunities. Um, and so in 2013, I um, was invited to be part of a, like a blogger uh, relay team with Noon Hydration. Um, and that was a really fun experience that kind of opened me up to this, this world, the running community world. Um, and, um, and it was really that experience that sparked the idea for Rise Run Retreat. Um, and so after that, I kind of really started to think, well, you know, what can I do? Like, I have this platform, I have this blog, I have this audience, like, what could I do that's interesting to me, um, and meaningful and could be a viable business. Um, and so that's kind of really where the, where Rise Run Retreat was born. And, you know, and in tandem with that, I was also, um, getting my coaching certification, starting to coach runners, um, and so it all kind of sort of unfolded around the same time, probably like 2013-ish, 2014 um, was kind of when all of that happened. So, um, and I think since then, just, um, you know, through experience, <laughs> learning how to build a business um, kind of the hard way, like there's, the, you know, there wasn't necessarily a roadmap on how to host um, running retreats when I started. Um, but um, now that, you know, I have over six years of experience with this business and I have previous um, businesses that I started, you know, prior to this. So all this entrepreneurial experience that I can then create a roadmap for other people so that they can bypass some of the mistakes that I made early on um, and hopefully um, be able to build, you know, a really strong, um, thriving business that, um, you know, creates something positive and put something positive out into the world, but then also impacts, you know, their lives, their families' lives in a, in a really great way as well. So. I can appreciate that. Yeah. I, I mean, I went to school for dietetics. Like I did not go to school with like marketing or like any kind of roadmap to create an online business. So it's definitely hard to pave the path and helpful to have resources mm -hmm. after you've kind of been able to teach other people what you've learned and kind of how to do it path of least resistance maybe. Um, yeah. And I mean, the retreat is so cool. I, I, I can't really even think of anything like it. Um, so it's definitely like a very unique, um, you know, program that you've kind of developed. And can you talk about a little bit like the schedule of like, how many you launch per year and kind of what happens during the Rise Run Retreat. I know you did virtual last year, but kind of in-person and virtual. Yeah, so um, so uh, typically a typical year would have a, a spring and a fall retreat, in-person retreat. Usually it's limited to about 15 women, so it seems really small. Um, at the in-person retreats, we bring in a couple guest speakers. So those guest speakers are typically somebody who's an expert in their field, somebody who's you know going to be um, informative and educational. Um, and you know we've had um, confidence coaches, we've had nutritionists, we've had um, uh, exercise corrective exercise specialists, um, all kinds of different people who. Um, you know, just have a, a depth of knowledge that's complementary to running. Um, and then we also bring in an inspirational guest speaker as well. So typically that's going to be like your professional athlete. Um, so we've had uh, Sally McRae and Stephanie Bruce and um, just a, a host of really inspiring female athletes at our camp 
um, at our retreats. Um, and then the virtual retreat was actually something that I had started to develop late 2019, mostly because I just had a demand for a more affordable option. A lot of people, um, you know, just said like the trout, like I can't travel. I can't take four days off. I can't be away from my family, you know, to get to New England. It's really hard. Um, and so I was trying to come up with something, a concept that was more accessible financially, but also didn't have that travel piece, but still had the same sense of community and connection and still offered you know, inspiration and education. So still had those that that those guest speaker components. Um, and so I actually sort of built out the framework for it late 2019. And we did a beta version in, in January 2020. Um, and then we launched it and <laughs> launched it into the pandemic, which was very interesting because it actually served a very present and real need because everyone's races were getting canceled. Everyone was in lockdown and, and at home. Um, and people like we, none of us had any idea what was going on. Right. And we had no idea how long we were going to be in it. Um, so it was just a really great thing to, to connect with other people um, in the running community um, and kind of keep that, that connection alive, even though we couldn't like meet up for runs or go to races and things like that. So in 2020, I ended up doing seven um, virtual retreats. So it was like one every other month, um, which was a lot. Um, and the the sort of pattern that we've settled into for this year, 2021, and, and future years is going to be um, four virtual retreats. We'll do two in the spring and two in the fall. Um, so kind of falling into to the same pattern as our in-person retreats. Wow. Yeah. That's good timing too. Like you kind of meant to do that, right? Like already, you're welcome. Well, and that would be such a fun thing to do too. Like last year, I'm sure a lot of people appreciated mm -hmm. having um, something to do people to talk to and learn from. Um, and when you do your rise run retreats in person, do you do them? Is it in, um, like Wolfboro area, like the Lake region? Area? Yeah. So we, we have a fall retreat coming up, um, in, um, October, October 14th through the 17th. And that is going to be, um, in Wolfboro, New Hampshire. Um, and we have two spots left, um, if anyone's interested. Um, but we've been, we've hosted the retreat in Maine and Vermont, um, Typically it stays in New England um, and um, try to just showcase some of the, the beautiful places to run and, and be um, here. So um, yeah. Especially in October, it's beautiful. Yeah, here. yeah. It'll be gorgeous with the fall foliage for sure. Oh, cool. Yeah, in two spots people. So go sign up um, and we'll talk about how to do that at the end. <laughs> um, and I also wanna dive into, so you, know, you started the virtual Rise Run Retreat. Uh, in addition to the in-person, I know you do some like online uh, run coaching and some business coaching for other runpreneurs as well. And then more recently, you decided to kind of um, go off of social media. So can you talk a little bit about like what went into that decision, how you're feeling? It's like been a couple weeks, I think, <laughs> um, and how that's going for you. Yeah. So, um, you know, I think that this decision has kind of been in the works for probably about a year. Um, and you know, I was actually reflecting on this today, this idea of like internal conflict um, and how conflict is really an invitation to go deeper sometimes and um, either deeper with ourselves or deeper in other relationships that we have. 
Um, I think sometimes we have a tendency to avoid conflict, right? Because it's really uncomfortable um, or it can feel like, you know, we're messing up or we're, we've done it wrong, right? If conflict starts to arise. So I would say like last year around this time actually was sort of more April, May. Um, I was just feeling like conflicted with myself, right? Like I wasn't really, um, I just didn't feel like I wanted to spend so much of my energy and my time and my life um, on social media. Um, and I had just read a really fantastic book by Cal Newport called Digital Minimalism. And it was actually my second reading of the book because I read it like a year prior and put it down. I was like, ah, no, I can't, you know, I'm building a business. I need social media. And so nothing in the book made sense, but I picked it up in April, 2020 and it all just like made sense and resonated and clicked. And um, I was thinking that to start what I would do was stay on social media, but I'd schedule one month off every six months. So I'd take June off from social media and I'd take December off from social media as a way to kind of like detox and take a break and not get burnt out. Um, and I thought it would take June off and then June came and I was like, no, I have to stay in it and like have to, you know, keep, keep, you know, engaged. Um, and then I, you know, got to December, I took December off from social media and it was in that month. Um, I was more productive and more creative than I've ever been <laughs> like in the last 10 years, probably. Um, and I just, it was as if, um, like imagine like trying to take a really important test and someone's blasting, like music or like the radio in the background and you can't like concentrate or focus on this really important thing that you're doing um and it was like somebody turned the radio off like somebody turned the background noise off um and um you know i i had said that it was just gonna be a month um and so i returned to social media in january because i you know was launching announcing the retreat dates and, and launching some things. And um, so it still felt really essential, but I felt this like internal conflict kind of building from like January, February, March, like, and it all kind of came to a head in March. And I just felt super depressed um, all through March, just like this dark cloud sort of not going away. Um, and it's interesting because it really reminded me, honestly, of some of those like darker times when I was struggling with an eating disorder. Um, and I think like any time that we're faced with an important sort of life decision, I think our body like sends us sig signals and really like tries to like guide us and, and um, you know, help like our intuition with that decision-making process. Um, and uh, so I think in March, I just, you know, realized, like, I just have to make this decision. Like, I just don't think that I want social media to be in my life anymore. And I think, you know, it's interesting because um, when you approach social media from a business standpoint versus like a consumer standpoint, like a lot of people who I know who are on social media um, for fun, like, or for entertainment, um, their response to, to my decision is, oh yeah, the endless scroll, right? Like you just get caught in the endless scroll. But honestly, like that wasn't necessarily my struggle um, because I approach social media with a strategy, right? So it's like, I have very specific things, times of day that I'm going on and very specific things that I'm doing and creating. 
Um, so it's not, wasn't necessarily the endless scroll because I actually didn't do that. Like I don't scroll, I don't scroll on Instagram. I like, you know, use it um, to try and, you know, promote my business and there's kind of a strategy to it. And, um, you know, I think the thing that was sort of like, weighing me down the most was this idea of um, just having to constantly create content, right? And so the way that the, the Instagram model works, the way like Facebook works in terms of making money is that the, the longer a user is on the platform, then they're more likely to click a, a, an ad and then per make a purchase. And then that's obviously how the platform um, makes makes its revenue. Um, and so as a content creator or as a business owner, your content is really sort of what's feeding the machine and keeping people on the platform. And, um, and so anytime Instagram releases a new feature, whether that's reels or um, IG live rooms, like now you can have four people in IG live and, you know, all these new features, you're really encouraged to use them as a content creator. And if you want people in your following to see your content, you need to use these new features so that it boosts you in the algorithm so that your following actually sees your post because on any given day, only three to 4% of your following actually sees what you've posted. And so, you know, it's like this whole game, right? That's really what it felt like to me, like this game and that I felt, you know, I wasn't being forced to play it, but it certainly feels like if you want to promote your business or you want to have a successful business, um, that you really do have to play like this game in order to, to, um, to get new eyeballs or, you know, like get in front of new, a new, new people and a new audience. So I think I just eventually came to the, to the point where I, I was, I'm done playing the game. So, um, so June 1st was the day that I decided that I was going to go off. So it's only been nine days, right? Like how ridiculous is that, that it's only been nine days, but, um, and uh, I've had a few few people message um, message and email me just saying like, oh, I miss you. And it's like, it's been nine days. <laughs> it's okay. So I think, you know, as a business owner, what I'm sort of shifting to is, is using my blog, going back to my blog, um, and also communicating with my audience through my newsletter. So that's kind of where my focus is now. And then also the membership that community that I've created. Um, where we have, um, it's not hosted on Facebook, but we have this Facebook-like feed within the community. We can post and chat and talk to each other. And to me, that feels like a much more um, authentic place to communicate because it's not owned by some, <laughs> you know, social media platform that's looking to make money through ads. So, um, so yeah, that's the, the, the long and the short of it. But it's, um, I think it, you know, and I, I could change my mind, like who knows, like how I'll feel about it further on down the road. But for now, I feel like it has expanded my bandwidth for things that I feel are, are more meaningful. That's fantastic. And like, I'm sure if anyone listening to this right now is an entrepreneur on social media, they're like nodding along, like, oh my gosh, yes, it does. It feels like it feels like a game and the platforms that you've chosen to use that you probably pretty much used before, like social media was really prominent, was like your blog. I used to read Run Far Girl all the time. Um, and also 
you know, the, the other platform where you have your private community because, and your email list, like you own all the, all of those things and you don't have to play, you know, it's your own game. You don't have to play someone else's game, which is super helpful. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. I agree too. Like, I don't feel, I feel like a lot of business owners probably don't quite feel like they're playing the scroll kind of forever consumer game. Like a lot of consumers of social media play because you do use it a bit differently, but it still feels, it feels heavy for sure. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I definitely look up to your decision and I'm, I want to continue to, to check in and see how it goes. Um, because it's definitely empowering to still have a successful business. You know, even if you're not on social media, even though you did build also a successful business on social media as a part of it. Yeah. Yeah. It'll be interesting to see how it plays out. And, um, I have a, a group of, of friends who are all sort of in the running space who all own businesses and they're, I'm like, I'm, I'll be the guinea pig. You guys can watch me watch and see what happens. If I crash and burn, you'll know, you'll know, maybe it wasn't the best decision, but I don't know. There's something in my gut that tells me like it was, it was definitely the best decision for me. Um, and that's not to say that like good things didn't come out of social media. All those women who I just mentioned, I met them all through social media. Like some of my closest friends, like who in real life now have come through, through social media. So um, that's not to say that that good things didn't come out of it, but I feel like social media, I feel like Instagram in 2012 and 2013, when I met all those people, it was a very different like beast than it is now. So I don't know, it's, it's changing. And so I think our relationship with it has to change too. Yeah, it definitely has changed. And I think, um, yeah, I mean, I think like trying it out and like it being good for what you need right now, it's valid enough to give it a shot for sure. Well, this has been a great conversation so far talking about a lot of different topics. Um, you have a lot of cool things going on, like your, your running and, you know, your rise run retreat um, and everything in between. Um, I wanted to like ask you the end of the podcast question. Um, and I'm pretty curious to know your answer because your finish line probably looks different than other people's finish lines. If it's like in the snow, um, <laughs> but if you are about to cross the finish line of like your goal race, maybe Mount Washington this weekend, it went perfectly. It's one of those like awesome days. What song would be playing to embody how you're feeling in that moment? Um, let's see, probably. Oh, I don't know. I I've been listening to most most recently. I've been listening to the song "Stronger" that features Kesha. I'm not sure if you're familiar with that song, but um, it's like the the lyrics are really powerful, and I I like it. And so that's like the song of the day recently. So I I guess I would pick that one. Yeah. Oh, that is a banger. That's a great one. Yeah, and like the perfect lyrics for a finish line. Yeah. Absolutely. Oh, I love that answer. Well, it was great to have you on the show and I want to make sure everyone knows where to find you since you're not on, you know, Instagram as Sarah every day, all the time anymore. Um, and where to find you. And also if they want to fill one of those two spots in the rise run retreat. Yeah. So I show up every week for my newsletter. I send out a newsletter on Monday morning. So if people want to subscribe to my newsletter, it's sarahcanny.com backslash newsletter. Um, also, you know, the blog, sarahcanny.com. Um, and then there's tons of resources that I've created that are on, on my website as well. Um, in terms of, uh, you know, if you're interested in snowshoe running or, um, 
I'm a big fan of journaling. So there's some journaling resources there as well. Um, and uh, yeah, and then if you're interested in learning more about Rise Run Retreat, you can head over to riserunretreat.com. Um, you can read all about our virtual retreats. Um, our next virtual retreats are coming up in September and November. So still a little ways away. Um, we haven't announced the guest speakers for those, but that's coming um, towards the end of the summer. Um, and then our fall retreat still does have two spots um, and that all that information um, is there on riserunretreat.com. Awesome. Yeah. I hope people go check that out because that is really cool and they'll have so much fun. <laughs> It'll be such a good time. Awesome. Well, thanks so much for coming on the show. Best of luck to you this weekend in the Mount Washington race. And we will hopefully hear from you through your blog and your newsletter. Awesome. Thank you, Holly. Bye. Bye. Sarah, thank you so much for coming on the show and diving into all of those different subjects that we talked about. It was so much fun to chat with you about all the different things in your life. And I wish you the best of luck on your journey off of social media. That sounds absolutely incredible. If you guys are enjoying the show, I'd really appreciate a rating and review on your podcast hosting site that you are using as it helps others find the show just like you. And if you are looking for really specific guidance on how to eat, how much to eat, how to listen to your body, um, you know, how to prevent injuries and recover from your training, how to strength train as a runner. You want to learn how to fuel your long runs and your races. If you need to carb load and if so, how much and what to do, how to fuel half and full marathon and even ultra marathon training as a plant-based runner or as an omnivore, I have the perfect resource for you. The fit cookie nutrition runner roadmap course is currently open for enrollment. To learn more about this, you can visit the link in the show notes or fitcookienutrition.com slash roadmap. Enrollment is open, our community is growing, and people are learning how to fuel themselves without restriction. They're learning how to improve their body image as a runner to understand how to perform their best and feel their best as well. They're also less injured because they're strength training regularly and they're doing it without spending hours in the gym or using a ton of equipment, if that's your jam. <laughs> and they're also just sleeping better, having better energy levels throughout the day and becoming more functional humans, which is what we're all about <laughs> at Fit Cookie Nutrition, aside from the running. So again, if you're interested in learning more about the Runner Roadmap course, it is open for enrollment and you can learn more about that at the link in the show notes. Thank you so much for listening to this episode today, guys. I hope you're having a good day and happy running.